Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Tonight, I'm joined by 3MA founder, Troy Goodfellow. Hello! And we also welcome back our friend, freelance writer, John Bolding. Howdy, howdy. So, today we return to the age of man's innocence, uh, to the state of nature from whence all our absolutely correct political views spring, the bedrock of the modern world, uh, the dawn of man, which is a new city builder uh, slash civilization manager uh, from Madruga Works. And uh, John and Troy, I both saw you playing this. You were discussing it on the 3MA Discord for a couple weeks there. Uh, Troy, you want to tell us a little bit about what is this? Uh, what, what should we make of it as a city builder? What traditions does it fit into? Uh, yeah, just broadly, what is Dawn of Man? What are the first things you notice about it? Um, it is a city builder. I mean, it, often it builds itself. I think it tries to tie itself into the survival uh, type games, kind of like Banished and the like. But it really is, in many ways, a traditional city builder. Uh, but with a few little quirks. Uh, you do you work your way from the Stone Age, the Paleolithic Age, all the way up to the Iron Age. You level up and you move from one age to the next, similar as you would in a... Uh, Age of Empires type game, kind of more like an RTS than a city builder. I can't think of any of the city builders that do this. Uh, you work your way from, you know, stone tools, a lot of hunting and a lot of gathering, you know, killing mammoths and grabbing berries and fish, all the way up through the ages to where you're smelting iron and building walled cities and where agriculture is your primary mode of food. Uh, you work your way up through these ages by gathering technology points, which you earn by meeting milestones. You capture 10 fish, you get a technology point. Then you've got to get 50 fish for the next fishery technology point. So there's a pre- premium on doing a whole lot of tasks, which is easy for you a whole lot of people. But you have too many people and you can't feed them, your civilization will crash. It'll go through uh, booms and busts and you won't progress very far very quickly without some problems. Um, there are individuals, there are, you can follow the life cycle of people who apparently live for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, you can control them, you can lasso them and assign them to tasks. Once again, similar to an RTS, not something you would find in a city builder traditionally, but it does have, uh, buildings, you have to have residents and you have to have the morale of the people it has to be improved through religion. You need craft people to uh, make all the tools, the flint tools and the bone tools and the uh, copper and bronze and iron tools. Uh, You will be crafting weapons, you'll be trading for goods, you'll be skinning animals, sending out hunting parties. It is a game that I think fits firmly into the city builder genre. It reminds me a lot of Children of the Nile, which we'll talk about, I want to talk a little bit more about later, but I think it fits more into that line than, say, a city skyline's or a Sim City, but it does fit uh, in there somewhere. It is a game that I have a lot of affection for. It has a lot of design problems, some issues. I think I, there's, some things don't quite work conceptually, um, but it is a very fresh setting. Uh, it does have. It is you know. It's quite interesting to you know watch your settlement grow and find it's pushing out into the hunting grounds. So even though you've been relying on hunting deer or wild horses for most of your food. As your civilization grows, the animals get further and further away, so it's less efficient to hunt. 
but your people will want meat, so you've got to get cattle. And can you feed the cattle? And there's all of these management decisions that really play into how the game structures. There are There's a sandbox mode. There are, I think, three challenge modes you can play, which are different settings. Uh, one of them is an Arctic setting. You know, One is just a plain old valley. And I forget what the third one is. Uh, and they present little more challenges for you. It is a game with disasters, with injuries, with mammoths tossing your people 20 feet in the air as they get tossed by tusks. Uh, it is a game of contrasts. Uh, John, you mentioned that um, you know you're mostly favorable on this game, but you have some you have some questions. Uh, I am curious what like where you've come down on this game so far, but also what are some of your most pressing questions about this? Um, so I think this is a really interesting game because, like Madruga Works' previous game, previous game Planet Base, Planet Base. Uh, was a little more difficult than Dawn of Man, um, but it's still not not too hard of a game. Uh, it sits on a more casual spectrum on the like colony builder, civilization manager, city builder type game. Um, it's it's a little easier to play if you set it to its simplest settings. It's basically there's basically no pitfalls. You sort of can't fail, um, and that just wasn't quite there like there wasn't the the bite of the difficulty of survival in the paleolithic era right uh it just didn't quite feel like i felt like i should be truly struggling to survive Mm -hmm. and i never truly struggled to survive if that makes sense Um, that said it's a really interesting game there's a fascinating setting here and it is hard to complain about this niche in the genre getting filled by a game this interesting right and it's also very attractive it is it is a very good looking game um all the villagers tend to look a little bit alike and even though they're all given names i really don't they don't have any traits so when i'm told that oh grok has just died of an infection i don't know about grok i don't care about grok who's grok he's just a face in the crowd um, but it is, it is certainly a, this is a casual, uh, strategy game. This is, uh, it really gets only challenging in the later ages. It's not that hard when you're a hunter-gatherer. I mean, you said state of nature, Rob, that's kind of it. This is very Rousseauian. and everyone gets together and they take down a mastodon as a group and they all go hunting berries as a group. And there are 20 people just hanging out in their little huts, um, but then it gets more difficult more difficult as things get more sophisticated because you have all of these tasks to do. You might not have enough people to do them, and can you feed them? It's about balancing the population boom. Like you get the agricultural revolution, and all of a sudden you can support all of these people, but then you need more farmland, and it's not always convenient to have all the farmland too far away. So there's a lot I think one of the design issues is just a management of space. I'm not sure this game really lets you know how to manage your space wisely. Um, and, you know, you can't assign tasks, which is, you know, for the for the theme of the evolution from the Stone Age to the Bronze and Iron Age, historically, one of the big features of this transition is specialization. That people move from, you know, everyone does everything together to, oh, well, you know, you'll be the hunters, and they'll be the gatherers, and they'll be the priests, and 
you'll be the soldiers or the craftsmen, and there's specialization. There is no specialization in this game. Everybody chooses a task and they and they do it, which sounds like great fun communist heaven. Until everybody decides they're going to go hunting, or everybody decides they're going to go pick the berries, but not the grains, or everyone wants to be a miner today. Uh, and that causes, you know, some problems because you can't, you can set how many people are on a task, but you can't tell people what their task is. You can sue them, give them the task and they'll do it, but that's not an easy way to manage a hundred citizens. You can't just say, oh, I'll lasso these five people and make them foresters for the day because they'll chop down their trees and then they'll go run off chasing a zebra or whatever. Um, so there's... You don't have that transition to a more sophisticated. You don't get a more sophisticated society. You just get more sophisticated tools, uh, which I think is a big kind of missing step uh, in the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it's odd that you do have absolute control over like one thing, which is hunting. You can always gather up a group of your people and make them go hunt something. Um, and they'll run and grab hunting implements and they'll go after it. And that's how, you know, you take down your first mammoths or woolly rhinos. And those are actually really exciting moments in the game where you're like, oh, okay, I have eight people and they all have effective spears. I wonder if we can kill a mammoth, right? And then you go out and you find a mammoth that's older, elderly, wandering around by itself. Uh, and you take it down and maybe someone gets tossed into a tree and dies a terrible death. Or, like, they get into a bit of a fight and then, like, the next in game day you get the message that grog has an infection and you're like bye grog it's been real there's absolutely no way you're going to survive an infection though um that's satisfying gameplay and i was really it it was sad that i couldn't apply that emotion to other things right um it, it is weird that you know you can progress all the way to the iron age and no one in your society becomes a smith um I almost wish the game had stopped at Neolithic. Hmm. It is. It's interesting. The game, the the things this game chooses to focus on in detail. I think the hunting thing is an interesting example. I think this is actually really cleverly handled. When you're introduced to the concept of hunting, you're encouraged to pick off older animals and less ones, preferably ones without sharp teeth or claws. And it's kind of a neat touch uh, because it does kind of show you, like, what you are choosing to hunt has a great deal of impact on how the hunt is going to go. The first time you realize that, like, unlike an old, uh, you know, like, you know, an elderly deer, you know, shuffling over to a watering hole, which you can kill basically in one shot, like a couple hunters go over there, they throw their spear, instantly the thing falls dead. Because uh, it's old, and it's tired, and it's done. And then the first time you hunt, like, a younger one, even though the hunt rating is easy, you realize that that mostly means that it's not going... That, like, that young adult deer in its prime, it's not going to kill anyone. But what it is going to do is it's going to lead the hunt on a merry chase across the countryside and might escape completely. And it does create this sort of attention to detail of... It encourages you... And I think maybe this is what you were looking for more of, John that sort of desperate opportunism that 
you know a primitive society might have like oh damn yeah. like there's an there there's a fat old oryx in the area and you haven't seen one of those in a while everyone drop what you're doing let's go hunt it and it also does create the sense of you know, you see these these giant mammoths wandering around, but the first time you you sort of think, yeah, I've got a good number of hunters, I'm sure. How tough can a mammoth be? Um, tough, it turns out. And so, you know, you also have your first hunts that sort of go wrong, uh, that not only fail, but like fail with, with, with casualties. And that stuff is all done in great detail. But then you don't have... Any, it's like, I think the lack of detail on what Troy just cited about specialization is interesting. This idea that someone just, the, the technology itself is the societal change, not the person working, working the new tool reflects a societal change. You know, the game is concerned about who goes on the hunt. Uh, what are you hunting? These things are specific. They, they matter a great deal. The game never gives you a sense of, you know, well, now you've had one character working the, uh, you know, working the smithing station or working as a tanner for a while. That person is really good at this, and maybe you don't want to send them out. This game doesn't have that. Um, but the game is interested in the effect of those important firsts, right? Like the first time, the first time you create an advanced tool. Uh, you unlock additional knowledge points. It's just it's the the game is very detailed in some areas and very hand wavy in others, and it doesn't feel always like there was a consistency of vision behind that. It just feels like some things uh, Donna Man is is interested in and wants you to be fussing around with, and some things it hasn't really figured out how to represent well, so it gets abstracted in strange ways. Yeah, it's almost like the granularity that the game is interested in simulating exponentially decreases from the beginning to the end, right? At the beginning, you're building individual drying racks for the meat, and you're opportunistically trying to hunt the elder animal that wandered into your territory. Uh, but sort of by the end game, you just sort of build a blacksmith, and that's where all the iron stuff happens. And it's, I mean, and the interface is kind of erratic too. It has some really great stuff in it, like the the whole the the, the primal eye thing. You can click a button, and it's kind of like you have this infrared vision that lets you first of all isolate where the animal packs are, because otherwise you'd never find them because they're camouflaged so well. And in those, you can isolate which animals are going to be easy to kill because they're marked green, and which ones are going to probably murder you because uh, they're marked red. Um, so they're going to be tough to kill at least. So, and it also makes it easier to find, you know, mineral deposits. Like, where's my tin? What does tin look like? You turn the primal eye and you'll find your tin or you'll find your megaliths. And it kind of, you know, has this little whoosh sound. It feels like in a movie special effect type thing. And it's a great little tool for scanning um, the landscape which you can just turn back off and then get back to this really nice, well-rendered world. And I really like that a lot. However, you know, very common. It took me a while to figure out where the alert system was. I had to open up a special menu for my defense alerts, like sound the horn and the gates. That's not a default. You have to open up that special menu. 
Um, it wasn't clear how I could manage my animal population. They finally, uh, in a up, recent update, in a recent patch, they put that on the uh, stable itself. I used to, apparently it was hidden somewhere before, and before I found it, I had, my, my goats were just, would not stop breeding. So I had, yeah. so I had, I had, a, I had, and you ever owned I goats? had space for like 20 animals, but I had 32 goats. It's like, and they, my people could not kill goats fast enough because they were just all over the place until I found a way to set the population because that was kind of hidden away. But now it's on the stable, so that's all well and good. Um, I don't know what diseased crops really do yet. Like that entire plot is diseased forever. Um, is that mean that I have to like dig up that dirt and plant a new crop thing? I think so, but I'm not quite sure. Uh, or is just my yield is bad this one year? Um, because it has a little orange thing. Does the orange crop thing mean diseased? I think it means it's a it's a reduced yield yeah, it, for one year, and then it's sort of gone. So it's it's kind of so a lot of things are just. Sometimes the interface is really really good, like you know the hunting and the primal eye and uh, being able to grab people and do things, uh, being able to, to to place work zones. That's really easy and intuitive. If if you can't gather sticks in an area, it won't let you put a stick gathering zone there. Uh, so that's great. You can't make that mistake. Uh, mind you, if you take all those sticks out of an area, that stick zone is still going to be there. And some idiot might still go over, looking, over there looking for sticks. Um, but generally, the interface is both really, really good and sometimes just <clears throat> missing, missing small things. Um, it is... It's a game I, I, I keep coming back to because I, I really think there's something clever here. And I want these guys to kind of fine-tune it. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of curious choices here. I think the um, the resource exhaustion thing... Like, the task area is a perfect example of some of the oddity of this game. So you have the option of like just clicking on a tree or something. And someone will go and chop that tree down. It, well provided they have a tool. Uh, but someone's going to go chop that tree down. Cool. But then the game correctly surmises that you don't want to be micromanaging every single stick gatherer or tree chopper. You don't want to deal with that. So here you can create a task area where people will go and fulfill this role and generate these resources. You can also tell, like, you can also set it so that people will stop once a certain collection threshold is met. And you can set a uh, cap of what workers will come and work in that space. Great. So far, so good. But then it is frustrating that the other side of this, like resource exhaustion, that you kind of have to look after yourself. That task area will continue to be there, even if the things people are supposed to be harvesting off of aren't anymore. Like, say you set a food gathering place and... All the stuff around it was berries. Um, berries can't be harvested outside of summer, I want to say. Um, but nevertheless, people continue to wander into that area and sort of stare at these, like, you know, empty berry bushes. And they will now they will go and do other productive work if you are setting, uh, you know, if you know, if there's other work to be done, they will go do it. So it's not like those workers are committed and not available. But I do wish that the game would sort of highlight, hey, um, 
this this gathering zone there's nothing to be gathered here right now, so maybe you want to shut this down and, and relocate it. And so just the game is full of these odd lapses where, like, on the one hand, it helps you out, but the way that help is provided is just inconsistent enough that you can't really trust it, which means that instead of being helpful, it becomes a thing that can sort of deceive you and mislead you. And so you have to constantly check it, which is kind of the opposite of being helpful, right? Instead of like, you know, now it's become something that I have to be a little bit paranoid about because if I'm not paying attention to it, it can go a little bit wrong. Uh, but again, maybe this is the reason, maybe this is the reason why the game feels so forgiving in so many ways because there, you know, there are all these ways for your supply pipeline to sort of, break or be or begin to perform less than optimally and fortunately i suppose it's rare that you're that hard up against it that that's immediately going to send you into a tailspin uh you know for instance uh the food it turns out the food preservation capacity of uh you know stone age uh humanity is truly breathtaking uh these people can <laughs> you know i can't keep berries good in my fridge for like a week, <laughs> um, you know they'll they'll go off immediately. And meanwhile, like I check my storage hut, and you got people. Do, do, are you practicing canning? Like, what are you doing? Like, how how, are, how do you still have berries from last se- summer? Yeah, it's but you know I've in one of my games I've reached a point where it's just quite not quite enough because the little bastards won't fish. They just. Oh, they hate they will to not fish. fish. And I had a, not, I loaded another game where they they would not collect mud. They just refused to collect mud. And they but you know the, the hunting hunting fields are exhausted, but they need some meat. But they refuse to fish. And you know I'd love you. It's right there. The river is right there, guys. Uh, it's set to infinite. A bunch of you can just go and fish, uh, but they just choose not to. So you know, so it's a good thing that you know that that they'll make their 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 jerky and it'll last you know three years, because when they decide I'm finished hunting or I'm finished fishing, they decide hard, and it causes problems. And you know, if you have a lot all this wheat piled up, but it's not being turned into bread very quickly, and you just used your last nearby farmland for flax because people wanted cool clothing and it's so you know it's it it is a very forgiving game until i mean this is probably a lot of city builders this is not unique to uh dawn of man where sometimes you'll get a point in a city builder where the economy just goes in a loop and you cannot get your way out of it the 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 caesar games were very this is very common the caesar games where you hit a loot of a, a loop of debt and then an incursion of money uh, but then you could not spend the money to expand properly and people kept moving in moving out moving in moving out and you would have this really bad cycle so it's very common in the Caesar games so it's not this is not a problem unique to Dawn of Man except that you don't see that very much in city builders anymore generally that kind of problem is not a solved problem but it's a problem people have kind of gotten around here you do get the the boom buster, <laughs> so I'm very glad when they go hunting, or they go on a go on a berry picking party, and things just stick around in this in the granary for a, a summer or two. That's fantastic. Now I will take that. I will suspend that disbelief. 
Yeah, no, that's but that's the sort of compromise you have to start making when uh, you know things could things could be a little fussier yeah. than is fun. And I think, and honestly, this is probably the right decision. Like as much as John kind of wants the more precarious Paleolithic existence uh, to live and die by the the fortune of the hunt. I think unless you basically thread every needle in that sort of design, that would be infuriating. I could see, you know, I could see that being just fussy enough or just going wrong enough that I would lose my damn mind. You know, like if if I were one fishing expedition away from like having people starting to drop dead of hunger, the fact that people just kind of lose interest in going to the the fishing task area uh, would would be a body blow against this game. Instead, it turns into kind of a oh, this is an odd way for this to this to work, but I, I guess I'll I'll roll with it. Um, I want to start getting into a little bit the um before we get into pol- the politics of the game or the lack thereof. Maybe let's talk about the technology in, in a little more detail. Um, so. The game does a good job of giving you the sense that the hunter-gatherer model begins to fall apart as your settlement scales up, as resources in your immediate area start to get depleted, animals are scared off. Um, you know, or go extinct. Yeah, there's just not enough berries uh, to, to go around. Um, you, you do start needing other solutions to meet these basic needs. At the same time... I'm not sure this game, let's sort of put this, I guess I expected technological progress to feel somewhat more transformative in this game. Um, and I'm not sure that it does. Uh, like, to, like over time, yes, things absolutely do change. But for the most part, I guess it felt to me like a square, you know, a square hole would open up and then there'd be a, a little, you know, tech button I could press and I would unlock the square peg. And that sort of seemed to be how technology worked, but it never, there was never a moment where I was looking at my settlement and being like, well, I got to blow all this away. Cause this isn't, this isn't going to be much of a, you know, iron age city. That didn't, that didn't really feel like this is that game, which is something I kind of want from a city builder the the sort of pressure to re-optimize based on how things have shifted that's interesting to hear you say that i i don't think you're wrong though i think the game's choice of northern europe as its model for technological progress and the evolution of civilizations um affects that a lot because your people aren't necessarily i'm not a historian Okay, your people aren't necessarily inventing these technologies. They're effectively finding out about them from traders um, Mm -hmm. and neighbors and then enacting them themselves. And that's an interesting way to play the game. By the end of it, by the Iron Age section, by the Bronze Age section, I wanted something more interesting to happen. Right. I I liked that the game changed and that I realized near the end of my time with it that i hadn't hunted an animal in like 10 hours Mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah my city hadn't 
they were they were beyond that, right? Hunting was like an interesting supplement in case we got a big boom of new migrants joining the town for food, but we had cattle and we had sheep um and we had goats for food and we had crop fields and all of our people spent all of their time tending that and making tools and fending off raiders. Um but I a little bit was sick of raiders by the end and I was like, all right, so like when when do the Romans show up? then that's really how i felt by the end i was like if we've gone so far into uh the sort of bc years yeah. right that i was waiting for civilization to suddenly happen to me and it it doesn't it's just, you just never quite get there yeah i mean this game is about the ages but it's not about civilization i want to go into the history and politics before we get on topic i mean it's i, I mean it's like a a small tribe going into the Iron Age, you know, something more probably Northern European than Mediterranean. We're not talking about, you know, Philistines and Egyptians and Hittites here. These are Germans and Belgae, you know, little tribes who will have, they'll be able to smelt iron, but they're not going to be building a great empire out of it. And they're not going to go out looking for the people necessarily. I think there, that technology, there is kind of a technology leap when you do get when you do get agriculture, like, oh, great. I don't have to go out looking for einhorn to chop down. I can grow my own einhorn once I Google einhorn and figure out what exactly I'm eating. Um, so that's kind of nice. But yeah, you, it is weird, as John says, that you, you never really have, you know, the animals you're, you've domesticated being your primary source of meat. You have... The goats and the cattle, and you use them more for milk, and you only kill them really when they get old. And there's not a whole big slaughter generally. Um, I think I ate as my tribe probably ate as many old dogs as they did old cattle uh, when it came down to it, um, which is kind of weird um, because you don't want to have you want to set your cattle cap too high because it's just sitting around. But then you set it too low. And you've got to go and buy another cow, and cows are expensive, or you have to capture another cow, and aurochs will get you killed. But you don't have... There's, there's supposed to be, I guess, some sort of an efficiency. Like, uh, an iron sickle is going to be better at gathering grain than your flint sickle, or what have you, or your copper sickle. Um, but it's hard to know how effective it is. You don't get any sense for this great transformation between the iron and the bronze. Now, technically, iron wasn't better because it was a better metal than bronze. Iron was better because it was more common than bronze and easier to smelt than bronze. That's why iron is better than bronze, not because it's a better, more sophisticated metal. Um, you didn't need tin for it. So that's so maybe you wouldn't get that kind of a bonus. But you should get a bonus for bronze over bone of some kind. And it's not quite clear you do beyond you can kill animals faster, I think, with bronze than bone. But you and maybe you can skin them faster. But how does they last a little longer? They, they last longer. Right. But how does this how does this yeah. affect my um my grain chopping? Um that's kind of something I might want to know. How many of these do I need? Um maybe I don't need all that many. I can send the guy in the smelting hot off to, to gather stuff, but I'm pre I pretty much just never stopped making sickles because I could just sell them to the trader 
you know, and buy more uh, raw goods from him. You know, early colonialism, I'd sell him finished goods and he'd give me some the raw goods I would need, which is kind of cool. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm, I know what you're saying, John, but I'm just kind of th- trying to imagine what it would actually look like in-game. Like, what kind of transformation we would be expecting. Because um, it, it's really... It is... There aren't many city builders that have historical transitions that have ages, so to speak. So that's yeah, kind I of think maybe this weird. Maybe this points out to maybe like maybe this points out to one of my frustrations here. Sorry, yeah, Ed. yeah, go ahead. yeah. Uh, just that this really jumped out at me in the Paleolithic period. You're dealing with a city builder, which means while this map feels expansive, uh, you're still largely going to be in one place. Your settlement is your settlement. There's no real need to like worry about moving it around or like really like focusing on developing a different area. Like you sort of like a lot of city builders, my pattern tended to be that sort of classic ink blot model, right? Well, I need more people, time to expand some houses and oh, I need more production facilities over here. And slowly things just begin like, you know, blossoming outward. But it struck me as weird in the Paleolithic era that there was never like a pressure to migrate. Uh, this sort of, like, I guess the, the thing, like, I was maybe thinking about, um, you know, at the gates a little bit where, yeah, hell yes, you deplete your local area and you don't actually have a ton of technological solutions that are going to fix that just yet. You don't have the infrastructure that's going to allow you to just get around that. So from time to time, you probably need to, you know, basically pack up and move out and go find resources elsewhere uh, while they replenish uh, somewhere else. But there's no pressure to really do that because food storage is really forgiving here. Uh, the map is is brimming with food. Uh, the lion and the lamb uh, lie down together waiting for you to come along and club each of them uh, in, in their turn. And I think maybe part of the age change I would have been looking for is this sense that... Uh, geography the 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 valuable geography also changes a bit more with 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 the era uh that i don't know maybe there'd be a pressure to well uh you know now now really my my city is you know it is it is the iron age here uh and i don't actually you know i'm too far away from the rich deposits of the mountains right uh you know i need you know i need a i need a river uh, right now, I've just got you know kind of a, a lake shore, it's something like that. But I never really felt that. Um, I guess for a game of this period, I expect a little bit more of a geography as destiny uh, angle to it. And while I understand why this isn't that game, I would have liked I don't know some sort of nod to it as you know tech changes interact differently with uh, the resources and terrain available. I would I would have liked some migratory pressure or or something that would make me reconsider just how I have this whole thing set up. And I don't know that I felt that. So you want a more Neolithic game like John does? John, I mean, I don't know. Like, do we, do we sort of, or do we share an angle of approach on that? I, th- I think that might be true. Uh, I don't know. I, I liked that this game tried to cover the breadth of history that it does but I think that ultimately it might have been most interesting if the working of, of bronze and copper was as far as it went, 
right? Like if bronze was the end goal for this game, if, if the smelting of bronze was where you sort of are done and it's valuable and rare the whole time and you have to decide what to use that precious bronze on, um, like cities in the Middle East existed. They were building yes. full-size big cities with thousands of people and they were still using mostly stone tools, right? Um, and the fact in this game that after a certain point you're like yeah stone tools don't need them never needed those just it's it's feels off it doesn't feel quite right yeah um and i feel i feel bad because i think we're there is a risk here and we're in danger of falling into it of there's a lot here that i like there's a lot that's different here and then that also means there's a lot of areas where things were just, wish things were just a little bit better or evoked a theme more successfully or more what I expect from from a theme like this. I think this is a surprisingly charming game. I wasn't expecting a game the game to look this good or be this uh, sort of easy to get into. This is a very accessible uh, city builder and you can sort of dive right in and start having fun uh, after you know after a very quick and efficient tutorial. All of that is really cool, and uh, it's you know there's a lot of city builders that come out that we sort of look at them and like literally we have nothing to say because they are so familiar, right? Yeah. Uh, there's you know this is an ongoing discussion within the three MA uh, Discord about like you know can we work up the interest to talk about Tropico again? Um, and the answer increasingly is like, it's, it's a harder sell each time around, uh, because we kind of know what that is and we know what the, 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 uh, weak points are. Uh, we know, you know, what the, you know, less, more, more offensive aspects of it can be. Uh, and a lot of these things don't change a great deal from release to release. And so, yeah. we, you know, you don't hear us talk about those games that much because frequently we're just, they're familiar, they're known quantities, it feels like repeating ourselves. Here, I'm confronted by a game that I was really not expecting. I certainly wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is. I also think there's kind of foundations of greatness here, and it doesn't quite get there. I think I agree. It has a lot of charm, and I think that you are spot on when you say that it evokes the theme well, because it does. And it makes me want to play it because when you see it, you're like, oh, this is interesting. That's a novel uh, concept in a video game. I'll try it out. Then when you play it, you are satisfied with the emotions of being a the, the sort of omniscient director of this pre-civilization civilization as it becomes a settlement of hundreds of people. And that's really cool. And it's a very satisfying experience. But at the end, it's fairly streamlined. There's not sort of a deep, interesting, branching path of strategies to take. Um, it's a relatively simple strategy game. Now, I will say in light of their other game, in light of Planet Base, which over the course of its life cycle developed and changed a lot and added a lot of interesting new ways to play, um, a lot of the challenge I expect for Dawn of Man is in the scenarios. If you get into it and you really like it, there is a super hard winter scenario and there's a super hard scenario where you have really aggressive neighbors. Uh, and those are probably more satisfying a strategic experience if you enjoy the relatively simple base and want to go deeper. So the other thing that I was uh, maybe looking to see from this game, or I was trying to figure out a little bit is um, 
is the politics of it, right? And I don't mean like necessarily what's it trying to say about how we live now, but I more mean like do politics exist in this game? Uh, in a lot of city builders, you know, there's there's a certain politics of well, people got to be happy. Uh, at least that can be a fail state. Uh, you can run out of money. Uh, that can be another fail state. But uh, is there some sense that there are people here with expectations? Uh, there's a society here that needs to be governed as as well as managed. And I was very interested to see how the game would handle this aspect of it because, uh, you know, for for one thing, and and Troy, I suppose this is why I let off the show uh, like I did. There's often this tendency to imagine this as an era, this this period of of early human settlement, as an era, an, an era without a politics, uh, right? When 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 there when there is nothing really to debate, given the omnipresence of existential threats, and I was curious if you ended up feeling like this game has any sort of reflection of a politics. It is like we. I mean, I said that there's there's no evolution towards specialization, which means there's no evolution towards government. There's no sense that anybody's in charge. Um, your people can get unhappy. Who are they unhappy with? Uh, I mean, if a play, compared to the Children of the Nile, people get unhappy, but they protest outside the pharaoh's palace. People get unhappy here, and they just sulk. And they might find and they, and they might find a rock to pray to. They're not mad at anything or anyone. They're mad at well, they're mad at me, I guess. Um, but you know, they don't move. But I don't even I don't even think okay, they're mad at they, you. They, they don't move away. They don't go to find some other collection of huts. Right. They just sit there and sulk. Um, so it's you know, it's my ex-wife would call these my my ant farm games. So it's kind of like an ant just sitting there sulking in the corner. And there's nowhere else to go because it's trapped in the glass of the ant farm. Um, if ants had feelings, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess, I, 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 okay. I, I, the uh, uh, if a bug's life is a documentary, ants have feelings. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. So we have. So I don't really get any sense of a society here, really. Uh, a community, yes, uh, in that they are all in it together, they share resources, etc. But not a sense of a society where people have a purpose or a goal beyond subsistence. Their only thing they live to do, they live to live. Um, which I guess is very, it's a very meta commentary, I guess it's in city games, city builders in general. But it's, it's very stark here and very clear that your people... They just go about their business. Now, maybe that's how it was. Maybe it is the way it was back because, as you said, the existential threats of starvation and death by infection and et cetera were always there. So you just have to live to live. You are more animal than child of God. Um, but there isn't any progress. There's no greater sophistication. There's no development of anything beyond that really except they have better tools and they can farm now so i don't i i didn't see anything but i could be i maybe i'm just being too surface in my analysis no i i think you're spot on actually i think this game willfully chooses not to have anything like an inner human life to any of these human beings right they don't love and laugh and die which 
I find it hard to even conceptualize the idea that human beings existed and didn't love, laugh, die, and murder each other. Well, they they, they murder each other in this. There's all kinds of murder. Well, I mean, you can uh, fight and murder the people from other tribes well, who come well, to yes, murder you, yes, right? It, it, but not within not within your community. No, there's but, no sort of dwarf fortress esque. Uh, Gork stole my sock, and now I'm gonna murder him, right? Yeah, and. It, it's possible that it would be it'd be a very different game if that were part of the game. You could have you could have b- b- blood feuds, right? And I mean, this is this is I think maybe a thing that does frustrate me in its, a little bit in its absence. Um, and and the, maybe this is another thing that flows from the fact that this game goes a little bit deeper into history. Like not uh, maybe deeper is the wrong word. It goes a little too far forward in the history of human development and technological progress and societal development. Because, like, having this model where everyone is just like, well, you know, time for another day of crafting tools with which to meet my basic subsistence needs, and that is all anyone wants, uh, does, like, really quickly, that is just not what societies are doing at the points in history that this game is reflecting, right? Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> there are settlements in this period where they're absolutely like, there are wealthy people in communities. There are palaces being built. Uh, there are clearly like class, like structures taking shape and, uh, you know, and some sort of machinery of government uh, yeah. taking place. Like and you now, can build uh, hinges. You can build stone circles in this game, but there's no one directing the building of a stone circle, right? There's not somebody who's like, yeah, I've been watching the stars and we're going to have to set it up like this. Yeah, and and I think if you don't have that, uh, you end up losing some of the, one of the interesting pressures you get in a city builder, depending on how you want to handle this, is as a society, like as a consequence of specialization, uh, and some of the economic, the existence of like economic differentiation between people, there start to be different needs uh, that a society needs to needs to meet, and you certainly go into a period in history where those things are absolutely happening, where you're starting to see those those distinctions take shape. But this game sort of retains this idea that ah, we're still at the dawn of man, and none of that exists yet. And it's like, man, there's guys in, like, metal helmets attacking my city, and we've got people, like, manning the barricades to sort of keep them out. I feel like there's a politics at this point, you know? Like, I feel like we've gone a little bit a little bit beyond that, and there's just no, there's no systems to support that. And it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity. It feels a little bit like... There's a huge, it, it sort of cuts out this this desire, and I think it's important for a city builder to get it. Not only do you want a successful city, you also kind of want a cool city. And what cool means can change from game to game. Uh, I, I, you know, the Anno series is interesting because its solution is basically, uh, yes, you need specialization, uh, requires specialized development, and all of it turns out to be in the service of creating a useless ca- uh, class of uh, luxury-loving capitalists. You know, that's right. kind of a funny uh, 
take on society, um, but like it's a take, and it sort of forces you to approach your city differently in the middle and late stages than you did in the beginning. Uh, here, because you don't have any systems like that, eh, you know, just you're you're kind of just building a different, uh, a better mousetrap maker. Yeah. I've compared this game a couple times to Children of the Nile, and I want to expand a bit on that. Now, Children of the Nile yeah. is, first, my absolutely favorite historical city builder ever. Um, and there's a lot of similarities to uh, this game. And there's no currency, for example. Um, it is, there's no gold. You don't tax your people. But you do, but your tax is all in food. Uh, people are paid in bread. Um it has problems with the age in that, you know, there's in the expansion, Alexandria, which happens in the Iron Age, is still done through all the old old Bronze Age stuff from the Pharaonic period, because that's the model of the game. That's They're not going to make a whole new game for the Ptolemaic period. There's just going to still a pharaoh and still nobles and still the Nile and still the bronze. So just live with it. Uh, the politics is very simple, but it does have, you know, it is specialization. It has... You're, you have In order to have farms, you have to have nobles. And each noble house can support a certain number of farms. So you want more farms, you need more nobles. Uh, but nobles need special goods. So you need to have a middle class that creates them. And to pay them, you need... And they get, they get paid in bread. To get bread, you have to make sure you have enough taxes. And that's done through a, a specialist class of scribes who are trained by priests. And through this whole interconnected society but at the bottom it's still the farmers you have to have your farmers doing all the stuff everything rests on the nile everything is fundamentally based there and it is a resource economy that's just on collecting goods and very very simple exchange there's a, there's a strategic meta game for you no know, rare resources and there is a trader who comes in but all your guys do this autonomously you don't have to go to the trader and buy stuff if your noble wants a monkey he goes to the trader and he buys a monkey because you can't farm monkeys, but you can trade for monkeys. Um, but it has this sense of being in a very unique setting. I mean, there is the Pharaoh games, but the Pharaoh games feel very much like an impression city builder. Children of the Nile feels like, in the review I wrote four years ago, it feels like you're in an alien world, like history is supposed to be. And Dawn of Man is like that. It feels like a world I haven't played before, I haven't seen before. Um, and it does drop you in the middle of it in a place where you can't solve your problems by going into debt. And then but you, you can't float a bond and then pay for your uh, Stonehenge. You guys got to go out, find the megaliths, and drag them back. It's like in Children of the Nile, they got to go out, they got to carve out that basalt, and they can use that basalt and drag it back to the temple. And then you got to have a stone carver. He's got to do something with it. And it can take a pharaoh's lifetime, two pharaoh's lifetimes for a pyramid to be built. And you get that sort of how long things can take. Times are, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very compressed timeline. But there is a sense that it takes a while for these guys to get to act together to move a, a megalith. This is going to be two or three years before they bring that thing into town. And I like that. It really, it's an important, I don't think this is as good as Children of the Nile, but I do think, as you say, Rob, there's an element of real craft here that could lift this, and if it, they do support like Planet Base, which I'd like quite a bit, 
maybe we do get there. Maybe we do get Dawn of Man being a really interesting and sophisticated alien space. Yeah, I, you know, as I look at it, I think what would be really fascinating is if, um, you know, you either introduce some new elements for those later periods or, yeah, you you do something with the updates. I would be very curious to see, like, what a Mediterranean expansion looks like that does begin tackling some of this, right? Like, look, okay, let's let's go to some places that we regard as, like, the cradles of different civilizations and the birthplaces of uh, different traditions. Like, let's see how some of this can be sort of reimagined uh, put in that context the way, uh, you know, some of the games in that Impressions lineage uh, did. But uh, right now, I, I think there's, there's, there's plenty there to keep you entertained. Uh, I also think it's just enough to keep you tantalized in ways both good and very literal. Yeah, I, I think you're not wrong. Um, it'll be interesting to see if see what this game looks like in a year after they've done some further development and gotten feedback from the community because I have seen them changing things and making patch updates in response to what people have been asking for. Um, it's interesting to see what this will look like and what ancient cities will look like if and when that materializes. Um I think because ancient cities is trying to tackle politics and trying to tackle the uh, building of, you know, mud brick connected structures in the Middle East. I want to know what the difference between two games is going to be in the end. Well, uh, in the meantime, though, I, I think we we're still pretty we're, we're still pretty simpatico with this. I think mean, it's still uh, worth checking out, especially if you are a little a little uninspired by most of uh the current slate of city builders uh this yep. is a this is a pretty cool one uh i think it like i never felt my time like my time was being wasted uh checking this game out I, I i enjoyed myself a great deal um i agree yeah and it's a strong yeah. price it's 25 uh dollars american yeah so uh it's it's certainly a a, a good beginning uh, from Madruga Works here, and I I am hopeful for where this could go next. Uh, that will do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with more strategy discussion. Three Moves Ahead is hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show and discuss this episode with our community at threemovesahead.net or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 3MA. Uh, this episode was produced by Alicia Akampora. Uh, as Michael Hermes is taking a well-earned rest uh, and uh, we'll be back or maybe back in the fall. Uh, but for the moment, we're very grateful to Allie uh, for coming over and filling in on the production duties. Uh, finally, Three Moves Ahead is supported by listeners just like you on Patreon. You can learn more at patreon.com slash 3MA. Uh, that also has further information about our super secret Discord server where we occasionally talk about strategy games. Uh, but mostly we talk about other things. Uh, anyway, we'll be back next week with another episode of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, for Troy, for John, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. Goodnight, John's dog. <laughs>